Coaches, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is episode 263. Today, we have Coach Dan Hipson. He's the athletic supervisor for San Mateo, California. Dan is a former coach at Hillsdale High School in San Mateo, California. <clears throat> He's <clears throat> Today's discussion is going to be on the 2-3 switching matchups on defense. I think you're really going to enjoy how he teaches the defense how he has four great drills to also teach it. And he's going to give you some key teaching concepts. Uh, in addition, he's going to talk about his new book that he's coming out. And he's going to really kind of delve into how he built Hillsdale Girls Basketball Program into a very competitive program, really from an extremely losing program into a, a winning program. So let's welcome Coach Dan Hipson. Coaches, uh, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast, Coach Kevin Furtado. Uh, we got a we got really a great guest today, and I always say that, but um, I, I love my California guys. Uh, we have Coach Dan Hipson. Uh, he's the athletic supervisor for the city of San Mateo, but he's known for really being a fine basketball coach. We're going to talk about his story today. He's going to share all the great things that he has done. Uh, the key topic is going to be his uh, 2-3 matchup. Uh, to a switching defense, which I absolutely love. I use a lot of his concepts and so forth. So, hey, Dan, welcome to the 263rd podcast, man. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of podcasts. Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to have to check them out. I don't know. I, it'll take me a couple months to get through them, but thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself and so forth. I know uh, you've done a lot of things uh, in your career. I know what you're doing right now as an athletic supervisor, but you're doing many other things. Talk about your background, where you grew up, and how you got into what you're doing now. Okay, so, I mean, I'll mainly hit on the coaching points. I grew up I, uh, in San Mateo, California, um, and I started coaching. It's kind of unbelievable. At, at 15 years of age, uh, my next-door neighbor, uh, you know, he asked me if he'd help if I could help him coach his son, third grade basketball team. And that's what got me into coaching. It was just a natural sure. fit. His son actually ended up playing professionally in the Philippines. Um, and so he played over there and I coached him third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Um, I think through seventh grade. And uh, I, coaching just felt like such a natural fit. My, I went from there into my early twenties. I coached junior high basketball. Um, I was never a very uh, good or I was a mediocre athlete at best. Uh, but coaching just felt so, so kind of, there was just something gravitating, the leadership that I gravitated to. Um, so I coached at the junior high level uh, for a while. And then I went back to my alma mater, which is Hillsdale High School in San Mateo. When I was about 30 years of age, uh, I came in as an assistant, uh, took over the uh, girls program who hadn't done very well. Uh, and they're actually... Um, it was known on the peninsula that the program was just, they were three and 79. And I think one of those wins was by a forfeit. I think the other team's bus broke down. So I was just happy to get a, uh, I was just happy to get the opportunity. There was no one else competing for the job. So right. I said, Oh, I'll take it. I was the girls, uh, JV coach at the time. So, um, you know, we, uh, we did some great things when I got in there. Um, and it wasn't all attributed to me. Uh, you know, we had some good players and we, we changed the culture a little bit. Um, you know, one of the big things was I don't cut. Um, and so the girls who uh, tried out and made it through conditioning were on the team. Even if that meant just the, being on the practice squad, we made sure that they were a part of something. Um, uh, but the second and third day, the numbers dropped in half. You know, the girls that were used to the previous 
uh, coached uh, and and his regimen, and uh, they they weren't used to all the conditioning. So it, it wasn't meant to you know weed them out, but we had to set high standards to begin with because yeah. we, we had an uphill battle. And so um, I came back a few years ago. Uh, helped coach water polo, which is a whole nother story. I knew nothing about the sport, but I just took over <laughs> so they wouldn't cut the program. And then um, my most recent coaching stint, I served as the director of player development for um, my alma mater on the boys team. And they actually won uh, the championship, CTS championship. And I still coach to this day uh, a player who uh, I changed his, his outside shooting form. Um, and he won county player of the year. And he's now playing in Oregon. So it's been all over. But my model, you know, we talked about this a little bit is, you know, if you if you care about your athletes uh, and it, it can't be fake, they'll go the extra mile for you. Uh, most coaches do care. They don't know how to show it sometimes. But most coaches get into it. And, 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 and but that's my biggest strength is getting uh, players and connecting with them in the real life. Uh, half the girls that played for me at Hillsdale are still in my life to this day. Um, a lot of them work for me for the city. Um, I stay in contact, talk to three or four of them at least once a week. And so it's, it's a lot about mentorship. So, Yeah, I love that, Dan. I mean, what do you, do you think? I know all the great coaches, they have one thing in common. They connect with people. And, and is that – I know certain coaches that do great in that and certain coaches that don't. Is it something that, that maybe people are just inherit that are born with or is something that you can practice to be better as a coach? I think you can always get better. I, you know, it's the nature nurture debate, right? It's like, is it genetic to you or can you learn it? Or can it be enhanced? Um, what I would say to that is coaches can connect. Part, not many coaches. There are a few that get into it for just for the winning, for the ego. It's their identity in it. And, and those coaches quickly, players can see through them. Um, and, and they generally aren't well liked um, and they don't last long. A lot of them will bounce around from league to league. But, but the majority of coaches, they want to help. Um, so I would say, even if you're an introvert and you're a coach, and there are some introverts that are coaches, um, mm -hmm. find and utilize um, your inherent talents and strengths and, and then kind of connect with the kids that way. It doesn't have to be this charismatic guy who walks through the door who everybody likes right away. Uh, utilize your strengths. Um, ask kids you know, about their life off the court um, and connect with them and, and then kind of, you know, demonstrate that, Hey, if you need help or a letter of recommendation or, you know, if something's going on in your personal life and you're comfortable sharing it, let them know that you're there. I think anyone can do it. I do think it comes more naturally to some than others, but I think most coaches get involved um, for the right reasons. And then, you know, their egos and stuff can get, can take over. And as we, we discussed earlier and kind of cloud everything, but I think everybody can connect with the players in a different way if they set that as one of their primary goals and they um, remind themselves of it on a regular basis. Maybe every practice they have a check-in, maybe every week, something mm -hmm. like that. But everybody has unique um, skills and talents and, and utilizing those. You know, I, I like asking about, you know, trying to mentor uh, young kids and help them get into college and do stuff. But if it's genuine you'll 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 find a way uh, utilize your own strengths and talents so to connect with the others the players yeah it, it, it's so important for us as coaches to kind of know who we are right mm -hmm. i mean i think that's really neglected a lot of times coaches try to be other coaches they see you know maybe a coach k or a Bayheim, whatever a, a calipari it's like oh man i want to be that intense you know yelling up and down the sideline which is not but always be yourself right yeah, you got it. You got to be yourself, and it's funny you mentioned the, the coaches. I, uh, you know, you, you talked about the how to turn around a program, and I, I went on Amazon and found a, a book um, or a little pamphlet about the turnaround strategies of Jim Harbaugh. Now, Jim Harbaugh's turned around programs. He turns them around quick, but right. he also is so demanding that there's a high burnout rate. So that's why he's better at the college ranks because the kids come in and out, uh, and the pros it kind of weighs on people. But he. He does definitely uh, have strengths as far as turning a program around, um, but you got to know when to ease up and pump the brakes. And maybe that's not really his style. He's, he's very rigid and type A, but that's what makes him successful. And that's why he's better in the college rank than the pro ranks where he might have a player for eight years instead of four. So. Yeah, that's, that's a great point right there. I, I definitely, I, what was the name of that book again? Uh, I got it. I can just show it to you. That's right. Yeah, right please. Here. Jim Harbaugh. It's uh, the turnaround strategies of Jim Harbaugh. I, I haven't read it. the whole thing. I've I've gone through it. Um, 
I, I do like, I mean, he turned the Niners around in a year, you know, yeah. and, and uh, you know, he's turned Michigan around and, and he's great. He comes in, he changes the culture. He's energetic. He's all, you know, all over the place. But after a while, that can wear thin on some players if it isn't genuine. And I don't know whether it is or not, you know, but he's done a great job turning programs around. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I love the weather back there. I'm at, I'm, I'm at, of course, it's nice out here in Georgia right now. So we live in, we live outside of Atlanta, but I, I love the California weather, man. It's like I, I try to explain to people what it is. It's like, and you just got to go there and feel it. Oh, it's, it's great. Right now it's a little gloomy, but the sun's just starting to creep out. Yeah, yeah. I closed down all the fields today. I oversee all the fields for the city of San Mateo. So I get all that feedback and I close them all down. But uh, it's a little gloomy, but we are lucky out here. Northern California, it's, it's a great area. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, and I think a lot of listeners already know, you know, I, I, I played at Santa Teresa High School in, in San Jose, California back in 1978 to 82, Dan. Oh, that's awesome. You look so much younger than that. I would have guessed uh, 92. I yeah, guessed yeah. 92. Hey, uh, we played uh, one of the one of the quarterbacks uh, that he kind of came before me a little bit was named Rich Campbell, played for Cal. Oh, okay. I don't know I, if you remember that name at all. No, but. I don't. I'm not gonna. I don't remember the name. I I briefly went to uh, high school and I played against Tom Brady growing up, but that's a whole other segment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I know you. T- I know you beat him, right? Well, in grade school, we had a much larger class. He he had one class of uh, he went to a private school, and I went to uh, the rival private school. We had way more kids, um, and so Tommy was kind of on his own. And and we yes, we routinely would beat teams that he was on, but he didn't have any supporting cast. So I got to be fair and tell him it was it wasn't me beating him. Uh, it's the fact that we had a lot more. Uh, you know, many more athletes to choose from than, than, you know, he had available over there to help him out. But you can go as saying you beat the goat, man. You beat yeah, the goat. he is. He is. It's, it's, he's the greatest. There's no question for, I was a Montana fan growing up, but there's no doubt now he's, he's the greatest. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, speaking of that really quick, before you get into talking about your defense and how you rebuilt that program, uh, talk about uh, coach Martinez on the effects, the mentor, that he was with you and so forth. I think that's a really interesting story. Well, I didn't know Tom. I only had uh, dinner with him once. Um, how it happened was a good friend of mine was the athletic director uh, at my alma mater when I was coaching, and he was connected to Tom Martinez. And for those who don't know Tom Martinez, um, I believe he's the winningest coach in California junior college history. I don't know if it's in college. He might have the most wins uh, ever by anyone in California. I'm not sure about that, but he, right. he was a football coach, but they asked him to coach basketball and um, softball, girls basketball and girls softball. He just wanted everything. He found a way to win. He just would, it, it was amazing. He he would take concepts and, and, and that's kind of how the zone came to be is he took two, three switching zone. And I believe the story goes, he was sitting down with a friend at dinner and again, this is a story, so I'm pretty sure uh, that aspects of it will be maybe a little hazy. But they they drew up the defense um, on a bar napkin or a, a dinner napkin and how they can switch the forwards and the guards, and it kind of morphed from there. And I talked to him at, at that dinner we had, but the athletic director showed me the concepts of his defense, and then I tweaked it um, in a few ways um, to – to go along with my personnel. I would switch on every wing pass. Whereas, uh, you know, I think Tom would bluff the switch sometimes. Mm-hmm. I would bluff it in order to, it, it would become confusing. Tom Martinez also was Tom Brady's, just to add the fact, just fun fact, personal offseason quarterback coach. So, awesome. yeah. um, and, and he's passed, and I think it's been about five years, four or five years since he's passed, but just an absolute legend. Yeah, I tell you, someone needs to write a book because I, I think that would be an interesting book. Dan, maybe you and I can can get that going, man. Uh, but that that sounds like a really interesting story right there. Yeah, he's uh, and he was just such a charismatic guy. I mean, I don't even know how much he probably knew basketball and and softball, but just to take a sport and just all of a sudden win and win not win turn around like I, I turned the program around. We didn't win any championship. But, uh, you know, and it wasn't just me. It was a lot of other factors. But he was just given programs, and he completely reversed them and would win championships right. at sports, at three different sports. That's, I mean, a, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's incredible. And and to coach, uh, to be the personal quarterback coach 
for the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, the man just is the definition of a phenomenal coach. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to share the document here. Uh, there, I know it's going to be my listeners. I, I have them spread out all over the country. Uh, they're, pro- they're definitely going to see the, uh, your breakdown of it and so forth. So let me, let me get that started. Tell me, make sure that you can see it as well. Okay, okay I'll let you know. I can see it. All right. And I don't know. Um, I'm on my Chromebook now, so it's hard. To, I don't know if we can see each other, but uh, I can still hear you though. Okay. Uh, hey, you just kind of, hey, you just kind of, hey, lead us through it, man. Teach us the zone really quick. Okay. So it's just basically I put, I threw this together real quick and I might even catch some errors that I made, but I just wanted, so this is the setup. Um, generally we'll stagger the guards. Um, to take away the, you know, the shot from the top. Most teams will come up on a side, but this is just to show you if they come up on the top. We stagger the guards, um, and this is going against, uh, obviously, they got a 1-3-1 one, one set up here. We want to make sure they cannot enter the ball uh, to the five here, and you'll look at uh, the setup. The four and the three are above the block to start, so they're cheating a little bit. So that's kind of the setup. It's uh, more of a 2-1-2. When everybody says 2-3 zone, it's, you know, the guard, the center's usually higher than the, the – but that's the setup. Yeah, and I love that. And we run a, a uh, 1-1-3 uh, matchup uh, zone and so forth. And we like, picking, we like picking the ball up at half court, Dan. Have you done that before with the higher ball pressure? Um, with this zone, we don't do we, – we wouldn't do the higher ball pressure um, with a zone. We, we would switch and go to man-to-man, and it depended on the athletes I'd have – uh, whether we'd pressure the ball um, or whether we'd stag back and kind of play more of a pack line type of condensed man-to-man. So the only time we'd pressure the ball in a zone um, in my, when I would run a zone would be, we'd run a uh, half court track. That was, right, that was right. the only time we'd pressure the ball. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so the ball's passed. It's, it's kind of, it's going in uh, sequence here. So the ball's passed to the three. Uh, some of the ball offensive players have moved around here, but what this shows you is um, the forward, which is the number three player, pops up from the forward spot. Uh, the one drops to the block, and the two covers what I uh, call the triangle. Um, it's the area right below the free throw line at the high post, and mm-hmm. the two will be denying. As you can see, it's everything's designed to kind of clog entry into the key or high post area at this point. Yeah, I, I tell you that a word I use all the time is clog. Clog's a great word for, for dribble penetration, dropping dribble penetration, dropping posts. It's, it's one of the key words I've stolen from you, man. I, and, and where did you, where did you, uh, is that, was that always part of your concept of zone, zone pressure? Um, no, it wasn't always until I, until I picked this up, we would play a regular two, three or a, a regular man. Um, I, I, I don't remember where I came up with the word clog and it's going to become even more uh, evident on the next pass down to the four. um, Because what we do is we really prevent, or we try to um, prevent any entry inside. Once the ball goes inside and the defense collapses on the, on the ball, uh, the, your defense is kind of out of balance. Uh, It's out of whack. Bad things happen for the defense when the ball goes inside, whether it's an inside out kick whether, you know, it just throws things off. So it's designed to prevent the ball from going anywhere inside. Um, now, some people will say people could shoot over this zone. Maybe. Um, our, our goal is to make them not to allow rhythm jump shots. If they put the ball down on the ground, shooting percentages really go down. But we'd rather give up a long shot than get, allow the ball to go inside. Yeah, and Dan, uh, talk about uh, your closeouts with the uh, inside hand. And so you're very consistent on the teaching of that. Oh, yeah. The closeout drill, what we do is if you watch basketball, it's kind of amazing to me is I, I always teach to close out. Um, well, teach it different ways, but you want to have your 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 high hand over the shooting pocket, which, you know, if a player's right handed, their shooting pocket is on the right side. So you would have your left arm up and your right hand would be extended out to guard the passing lane. Now, um, I also would teach, and a lot of coaches don't teach this when we go man-to-man, they teach funnel to the baseline, um, and I always teach 
funnel to the middle because that's where mm -hmm. the help is. You know, the, yeah. that's the, that's I'm in the I know I'm in the minority uh, <laughs> that believe in that. But I, I like teaching, you know, because if a player burns you on the baseline, yeah, he might be behind the basket. But if someone rotates the help, then the, the key's open for a dump off a layup. Whereas if you funnel to the middle, yes, they can see the floor better, the offense, but players can also uh, help in recover. So, yeah, that's interesting. That that'd be a whole podcast in itself, right, Coach? On forcing, forcing, we 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 actually force wide, but forcing middle, I think, is actually a. I mean, that's that's actually a very that's actually a great concept as well. Um, all right, we're gonna go from baseline to wing now. Yep, and we're going to go drop down to, to the four, to the baseline. Yeah, and so you'll see the, the three uh, is now in the clog position. The five could be over a little bit more towards the block. The whole idea is to prevent the four from getting the ball into any post. You can see the two might pop there, um, but preventing the ball from getting into the post. So the three drops down. He has his hands spread wide. Uh, he doesn't know what's behind him. Um, and if the four uh when the one was closing out on the four if he pump fakes and dribbles in the three can also be there to to cut him off or to trap him the two is now rotated over to the triangle and uh is ready to pop out if the three gets the ball the two is clogging the high post uh right here as well uh the four um at this point is looking to play kind of a safety position um for a long steal but they also got to know that if the four on the other team, the offensive four, takes the jump shot from there, that they're in the primary position mm -hmm. for uh, a rebound. If they find an offensive player between them and the basket, they've got to nudge them and pin them underneath the basket so they have a better angle to rebound. And if anybody's on the opposite side of them, uh, they got to box them out. So the four, it looks like this four doesn't have much to do here, but the four is keeping their eyes on, you know, kind of on a, their head on a swivel. Yeah, I love that. And and I see a lot of mistakes, and Dan, you probably agree, is that that X4 would actually come in too far instead of being prepared right there on the weak side block. Sometimes you can and allow allow girls to come in there and yeah. really kind of push you farther inside. Yeah, it, there becomes, uh, we call it pinning. There be, there's a point where you got to be in good rebounding position. Now, if somebody gets inside, I would always teach, you know, if someone's between the four and the basket, use your forearm get yeah. low and nudge them forward so you have a better rebounding angle instead of trying to box them out if you try to box them out you'll be underneath the hoop so yeah we do we do teach a lot of pinning um when when i teach this defense or any man-to-man -man defense if if you can't box out you got to pin them underneath so they don't have a good angle yeah and i think you're going to go into the clog factor here i just love that because number one you definitely keep the ball out of the post here but you do two things you also prevent dribble penetration yeah there's the, the four really has one uh, one of two options he's either going to pass the back to the three or he's going to shoot it so uh this is going to show if the ball did get into a short corner um we trap that so the one and three would collapse so the two has the, uh, their, you know, their back is to the baseline right now, and they're looking. Um, the five is um, protecting any drop, because uh, usually when the ball gets into the fourth quarter, um, coaches will have somebody drop, right, for a pass. They'll have somebody cutting down from, from the high post or something. And so what we do is we trap it. But we play also conservative uh, with all our players that are in the key. They're ready to rotate out. Um, uh, but they are looking for tips, um, and the the one and the three are trying to harass the two so they can possibly get a steal, and, and hopefully they don't reach and foul. Um, the two might kick it to the four or the three from here. The two um, the two on offense, I should say, and X two could look for a steal um, out of uh, the short corner trap. Yeah, I love the short corner trap. I love it better because I. I've taught many years where my five would trap, and that that's just dangerous. I mean, I love how you keep your five. It's one of your priorities, right? Keep your five in the paint there. The five doesn't have to think on this defense. That's that's the one thing we protect the five. The five and the five, the X five usually, you know, might be in foul trouble. Big men are always the ones to rotate over if there's drill penetration, and they might pick. This defense really protects the five from getting into foul trouble because it prevents the five from having to play. Uh, on-ball defense, and they can actually look to rebound and look to help. So um, yeah, the, two, the two kicks it out to the three here. So you see the rotation, X2 pops out, uh, X1 pops up to the triangle area, 
Uh, X3 is still cheating uh, above the block. Um, X4s come in a little bit. Uh, X5 actually should be higher here. You don't want them that low, but um, yeah. So this is just uh, shows the rotation. If the ball was popped from the, the short corner out to, to the three on the wing. Yeah, and um, I know you have a name for it, and uh, I know you're going to talk about it in a second, but um, talk about wing, clog, and... Oh, we can hustle. We can uh, hustle. I love that, Coach. <laughs> uh, it's wing, clog, and high post. The one is at the high post. Uh, the, there's no clog right now. The, the clog is when the ball goes down to the four. Um, but it, it goes wing, clog, a weekend hustle, wing, clog, high post. And then that's a drill. If you are going to run this defense, that uh, the first year I did it, we had to do it for six weeks and, you know, 45 minutes a day. So it was just ingrained into the players because it's not a hard defense to learn, but you don't want them thinking while they're out there. You want them reacting. And so you've got to repeat it over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And let's be honest. That's great. That's a, I mean, I, I use that concept and I, I just think it's a great teaching acronym, man. I mean, and I think a lot of your best coaches have those, right? Oh yeah, which you you want you want the players to be able to relate to it. So it's something simple that they can remember. We can hustle, um, and you just pop. So there's a skip pass here. So on the skip pass, the four pops all the way up. The one drops um, to the block, the X one, and X two comes over uh, to to guard the triangle, what I refer to as the triangle area. And now you've got the whole uh, court, you know, reversed on the other side. But as you can see, the four is now playing a guard. The two's a guard, the three's a forward, and the one's now a forward. So one, two, three, and four are all interchangeable. Um, you know, if you have the right personnel, um, or if you got a bunch of guards and you want to play a zone yeah. defense, this is this is great. Or if you have mobile forwards. So I love that. And we actually do here. We have pretty much all guards, coach. That's good and bad. <laughs> I mean, but yeah. Um, and that's why I love it. Now, some some coaches would say, all right. X4, you go out, you show, and then X2 will bump you back. Have you used that philosophy too? Um, you're talking about the bluff? Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, the bluff. Yeah, I personally didn't I didn't like the bluff as much because I thought it led to too much confusion. I wanted them to know, and, and you know, I some other coaches I know that taught this actually use the bluff. Um, I, I personally want it set in their minds what they're doing. I don't want there to be an option of, Maybe right. or maybe not. No hesitation. To know exactly where they're going uh, when the ball uh, moves into a certain locations, so there's no confusion. That's just my take on it. Absolutely. Um, and the closeouts remind me again. The closeouts you're forcing middle. So you're getting. Are you getting on the inside hip? How are you forcing to the middle? Or are you just so going straight up? If we're, we're going to force middle, um, there's a couple different philosophies that we would use here. Um, you know the. Your zone, if you force middle, you got to help. You you got to help either way, really. But you don't want to take the one out of position. So what I would do is a lot of coaches don't, uh, you know, there's different reasons to force a player one way or another. I like to use the term level off. Don't let them go anywhere. Why right. force them, you know, you know, let them off. Don't force them to an angle or another. But um, one philosophy is you take away their shooting hands. So if they're right-handed, you have your left hand up over their top pocket. Um but there's another philosophy. If they put the ball on the ground, a player that's right-handed going to the right, take a jump shot, has got to twist his body to align it. That's a tougher shot for a righty going to his right. A righty actually is set up for a jump shot easier off a dribble to the left. So mm -hmm. we could get – that's a whole other podcast to get into. For sure. <laughs> for, this, for this segment here, um, I would just say we would force X4 – um, we would try to level him off, not let him go anywhere. I don't think he's going to penetrate the twos there, but I definitely, if you're going to play one way or the other, I would play uh, and force him middle. With, uh, a, or if he's a great shooter, right hand over the shot pocket, which is actually still forcing him. Yeah, and I, that's, what, that's what you love about the game. There's so many different ways you can teach it, right? Oh, yeah. There's just, and that's, that's where it comes into scouting and all this. And, yeah, for sure. But I try to make it simple. Um, you know, we don't want them to think about, is he right-handed? Is, is he left-handed? Is this? It's just, you know, oh, the ball's there? Then I'm going to react. So. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, simplify it for sure. 
So this is just a reverse skip pass. Uh, it's the exact opposite. So the play, they're just skipping over the top, which is kind of a philosophy um, that a lot of coaches will have to beat a zone. Uh, skip pass, you know, they could overload one side. There's, you know, attack the gaps, all sorts of ways to attack the zone. Um, so this is just the three pops up, the two drops down, the four comes over to the triangle. And, you know, you teach this through repetition. And uh, X1 is acting like a safety, looking for a steal um, mm -hmm. on, on another skip pass. Do you ever find weaknesses, though, Coach, of X1 being a smaller player on poor – I mean, not, not having a strong rebounder there? Or what's your philosophy on that? Um, I – you know, I'm so busy, you know, you screaming switch. You know, I'm sure once in a while um, there was a problem with a, a smaller player being down low. But if you teach them, you know, how to box out, um, how to pin – um, you know, if X3 takes a shot from there and X1's down below, that's a long shot. Generally, a long shot equals a long rebound. It's all about positioning. Um, if, um, you know, and then X5 is would be our biggest, baddest, tallest, most aggressive player, hopefully, um, would take care of the rebounding there. So it wasn't as much of a problem as uh, you might think um, because every shot um, that this zone would allow would be from the outside, from the perimeter, and therefore long shots equal long rebounds. Yeah, one thing I love about it, if X1 gets the rebound, that's, that's, you already have the ball in the right person's hand. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's true. That, and, and there's no planning for that because you don't know what the offense is going to do. But with the guard, forwards and guards interchangeable, I mean, if the X1 does get the rebound, they're leading the break, and X3 and X4, you know, hopefully are ahead of the pack. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so this is uh, this is where they get the ball in the high post. We don't want it, you know. We don't want them to get the ball into the high post. But if they do, uh, we double it with the two players that are um, up top at that point. So right now, those would be X four and X three. Uh, the five, it looks like, you know, is just there in case they slip. Uh, but again, we're trying to protect the five from guarding the ball. Now X five or uh, offensive player five could kick to three, two, or one. Um, but if they kick to two or three, um, it'll be a simple rotation up from one or uh, well, let's just say that they kick it to, to three. X two would come up, um, and X three would drop low. X four would uh, guard the triangle. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because that's the you, you have a girl catching the ball at the high post, man. That's problems right there. Yeah. Uh, what are some issues with that on girls? Um, I, I always felt like ball at the high post. Um, if the if the uh, X two and X one don't drop and sag, you got a great high low opportunity there. Yeah, uh, exactly. And like we said, you know, from the beginning, we don't want the ball going inside. This is an emergency situation right here. We're doubling. We're hopefully going to get a deflection. Uh, we're hopefully going to make sure that their pass isn't crisp for a rhythm jump shot. Uh, you know, an inside out pass, which you know the percentages if the pass is made crisply, uh, chest pass on inside out you know, the percentage of the shot goes way up. So this is not ideal. We don't want this to happen. This is just in case it does happen. And it will, uh, they yeah, will sure. get the ball in the high post uh, sometimes, but this is not ideal. Uh, one of the guards should be trying to deny the high post. The, uh, this is a kick out. So this is what we were talking about. So it's high post kick to the wing. So you had the rotation up from X1, the drop from X4, and the X3 is now uh, guarding the triangle. So you're starting uh, to see, you know, the the repetitive nature of uh, of the drill here or of the uh, the defense, and kind of how you get an idea that the players are going to need to practice this over and over again so they know the rotations. Yeah, absolutely on that, and and you really got to work on closeouts, right, Coach? I mean, closeouts to me are, the, are always the key when you play a lot of matchup. Yeah, closeouts are important, and and I would say you know closeout without you know the NBA has that new rule no flopping now, but uh, I don't know how that's going to affect high school. But uh, the you got it. But if you have to, if it's an emergency, uh, we don't really want this. But I would allow X one to fly past the two to get them to put the ball on the floor, because um, the rhythm jump shot would go down um, if they have to. Uh, if they're a good shooter, but on a normal shooter, we close out, you know, chop our feet, um, hand over the shot pocket. And, uh, and when they land box out hard, so they remember you and, uh, hopefully they miss the shot and, uh, we get the rebound. Absolutely. Okay. 
Uh, those are all the slides. Okay, yeah, that kind of shows the defense in a nutshell. Absolutely. Uh, and I want you to go into, before you go, go into your drills. I love your drill. I know you don't have them here. Let me get this already clicked back. Um, but you have some great drill series, Coach, that I absolutely love. Yeah, uh, I was looking at them. It's been a while since I've uh, had installed this defense. I think the last time I was the varsity head coach and we played this was about 10 years ago um and a lot of people have picked up on it um the drills um you know the weekend hustle drill is probably the best one where uh you put offensive players you stack uh a player at the high post uh let's just say it's on the right side uh then you put a player at the block then a player at the on the baseline a player on the wing so you got four on three um, you could even do five on three, but we'll do four on three now. And then all you do is you work on the rotations, wing, clog, high post, uh, based on the passes. Uh, and then wherever they throw the ball, you know, you have the players repeat it until it's so ingrained in their head that they uh, don't have to think during the game. They just react. Yeah, I just, um, you know, I, I love that. I absolutely love that. And you go right into your weekend hustle drill which I think is a key drill for you guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's we did. I mean, like I said earlier, we did it for six weeks. I mean, because my assistant said, we got to abandon this defense. If you're going to play this defense, you've got to commit. It's, it's not, it's not easy in the beginning, but it will be worth it in the end because coaches will have a heart that they don't want their standard zone offense is not going to work against this. So yeah, absolutely. Kind of go into a little bit. Uh, you don't have to go into, obviously, all your drills. I'm just kind of naming them here. Talk about uh, you go five on three in the weekend hustle drill. Um, and I, I tell you, the more I coach is I love when drills are a, a number disadvantage. Yeah. Where it forces kids to really hustle, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, one way to, to beat a zone is to overload. You don't see it as much, uh, but I, I would like to do that as you stack almost everybody on one side of the floor, and so that way you have an advantage. But for the defensive purposes here, um, if you've got a four-on-three or a five-on-three and the offense is just passing the ball rotation-wise uh, around the zone, um, the players are going to learn how to close out, chop step, rotate, communicate, and do all that. And, you know, as we mentioned again and again, it's just all about repetition. Um, and you've got to really commit to it. So yeah, the five on three versus the four on three is I think you would start with, the, um, you know, just overloading the right side, a player at the top wing, mm -hmm. baseline, a high post and low post. Yes, um, yeah. And then you just overstack it. And then you start slow. Um, you would go, you know, one pass at a time, hold it. Next pass, hold it and then go faster and faster. Then you can go live. Then you have contests, you know, if they get the ball inside, five push-ups. If they get the ball, they get a rhythm jump shot, you know, five, uh, you know, bat down and back, whatever. But it is all about repetition. Yeah, I love how you go and you have, I, I don't know if you mentioned this, um, at the end you go live, 15 seconds, right? 15 yeah. seconds. Yeah, yeah. Talk about that really quick. Could you you can't teach and then not go live, right? No, you got it. It's a whole part whole, you know. I mean, you, you start and you talk about the, uh, the whole – uh, defense, the concept, then you go into the part, which is the five on three, and then you go back live. So you, you build it up slowly. And then the kids, the kids want to shoot. They want to go live and they want to play. So you got to kind of break it up a little bit and then go live. Um, you could do controlled live where it's, uh, you know, it has to be three or four passes before they shoot, or you can go, Hey, you can shoot whenever you want. Um, but that really enhances the, the communication and it really shows where the glaring weaknesses will be uh, and that you might want to work on uh, in the zone. Uh, you know, where are they getting the shot? Are they getting rhythm jump shots? How can we adjust? How do we think with that? Are they getting the ball in the high post? Who's not rotating, you know, to the spot that they need to? And then you can adjust there. But if you don't go live after you do a whole part whole uh, or, you know, break it down, um, you're not going to know where your weaknesses are. So, and it's a little more fun for the kids. You don't want to do this drill without going live for two weeks. They'll be bored to death and they'll hate the defense. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and your third drill is skip and switch. Talk about that just a little bit. Uh, it's just uh, a skip and switch. It's just basically um, we don't stack everybody on one side. Um, we, we basically just rotate 
uh, we pass over the top from uh, wing to the wing on the other side. And then it's just the, the players getting the concept of um, popping up, um, dropping down to the uh, block and covering the triangle, wing clog high post. But it's all, you have more time when the ball's in the air. Uh, you know, that some, some coach a long time ago said that that's our time, you know, you know, we can react while the ball is, it's nobody has possession of the ball. Um, you also can work on the switch drill on trying to see if the four can anticipate the steal and how realistic is that? Um, you know, it'll also en enhance in your practice, your defense, knowing that, uh, you know, a, a skip pass shouldn't have too much airtime, you know, just get over the defense because, um, if it has too much airtime, it should be a steal. And that's that's two points if you get that steal. So, Dan, again, are you uh, – obviously you're clogging all the post passes. Are you denying from a certain side, or, or, or what's your philosophy on that with the other team? I like to go uh, underneath, but the different coaches go – I like to go take it from the, the three-quarter underneath. Um, mm -hmm. I don't like to go from the top um, side because if they, that will get your five in trouble if they slip. I like to go underneath. Um, for the high post clogs, um, and then for the clog down low, uh, when the forwards and guards are clogging the wing entry pass, one hand could be in the passing lane, but the body could be should be a little closer to the perimeter, uh, so they can rotate a little better. If they get too low on the clog, um, then they're gonna have a hard time rotating out when the ball moves. Absolutely. And I, hey, after this podcast, you're going to go back in the coaching again, man. Yeah, I, some of this, I haven't done this in so long. It's coming back to me. Um, you know, I like coaching. Coaching's fun and the strategy's fun. But, you know, it's about the connection with the kid. But, yeah, this yeah. is bringing back a lot. Of, I had to research. I'm like, oh, God, I haven't taught this in a while. And, again, <laughs> like you said, you took certain concepts and you, you applied them. Um, I did the same thing. When I, when I got this zone, I turned into my own. And, you know, hopefully uh, a coach can do it any way they want. They can fit it to their personnel. They can, you know, the way I do it, it really protects the five and keeps the ball on the outside. But maybe a coach wants to add more pressure. Maybe a coach only wants to bluff the switch. You know, right. that, that's the great thing is is you can adjust and make it your own. Because I did that. I borrowed, twisted, and, and made it into my own. And, and, and then you take certain concepts that you really like, and, and you keep those. Uh, and then you modify. There's no such thing as inventing a defense. You know, we can all we can all take from others. So uh, you can kind of go uh, and make it your own. Yeah, and you're gonna have a lot of coaches contacting you also about this, coach. Before you go, talk about how you built. You came into a program that was not very good. How did you do that? Number one, building the new culture, and also talk about your book. Well, oh well, uh, the um, the taking over the program. I was just. I was happy to be a varsity coach. Uh, it was my first time ever being a varsity coach. I and the the team, I, the record was over the past four years. It was three and seventy nine, I believe. Uh, one of those uh, one of those wins came by forfeit. Um, but you know, of course, you got to have some players. I started three freshmen on varsity my first year, um, and we won our first league game in over a decade. Um, and then um, you know, we I think we finished it five and 12 uh and then we went to 12 and eight and then we made the playoffs nice. the following two years um but uh i was excited young hungry ready to go you know after a big loss i would go back to my office and slump in front of my chair and just think what could we have done differently <laughs> i did i i did not say you know whoa the other team's better or more talented i was my first year we were throwing i'd throw six defenses at a team to keep them off balance uh, you know, and there's there's detriment to that too. We play one three one. We play a, a, a man. We switch on man. We play a pressure man. We do a press. We go into a two three zone. We half court trap. You know, to keep the other team off balance. Just coaching a team that doesn't have a lot of talent, and in the beginning I had three freshmen, makes you a much better coach. If Absolutely. if you don't have the victim mindset, it'll make you a much better coach. Because if I've seen coaches that walk into a program with talent. And they think they're the greatest coach in the world. And I'm like, well, wait a second. You got all that talent. You know, what are you going to do with it? You know, if, you, if you're if you going to make it so far, if you don't have a lot of talent. And we did have talent. They were young in my first year. But it just, and you're ambitious and hungry. That's what kind of led uh, a lot to the turnaround was I, I had that fight me. I was also 13 or 14 years younger, so I had a lot more energy. Uh, to, to get in there and to, and to be all pumped up. I don't know. Today, 
if you, if you saw me coach, I was a man possessed on the sideline, all positive stuff, but yeah, it was uh, high energy uh, coaching throughout the whole game. Um, never, I couldn't sit if you, you offered me money to, um, but it was also, um, and you and I briefly touched on this uh, before we began uh, the podcast, you know, offline, um, about connecting with the players. That's the biggest part. Um, if you're willing to take a bullet for them and you're, you, you're, they know you're genuinely invested in them as a human being and not just a basketball player to help them get wins, they'll go the extra mile for you. And you can't fake it. And I think most coaches do have that. I think sometimes it gets clouded by ego and all sorts of things and people getting emotionally hijacked. But um, I would say that was that and getting a little bit of talent uh, at the school um, along with caring with uh, caring for the team and being dedicated. We had never in school history beaten our rival of uh, the girls program and they beat us by 40 and kept the press on the whole game. And we just never gave up. And in right. our third year, we beat them. Still my favorite victory uh, of all time. We yeah. beat them I never thought, I never let them know, I never thought in a million years we would beat uh, our rival because they were just crushing us. Um, and so that was the moment where the, the turnaround really was solidified in my third year, uh, beating our rival and watching the girls celebrate uh, after, you know, all that hard work six days a week for uh, three, two and a half years at that point, uh, you know, basically the point is just the commitment to it and patience. Um, a lot of people want to win right away. Well, you, you got to dedicate time. You got to, you know, change the culture if you have to. Uh, and you have to be genuine and truly care about your athletes um, and set set goals. If your goal is to, you know, win the championship, you know, that's great. But if, if, you, if you break it down, and your goal is to connect with players and to improve every day, that's much more achievable. The scoreboard will take care of itself. So that's kind of my philosophy. I'll get off my soapbox right now. On, uh, on <laughs> no, I, Yeah, and, and that has led to your book. Talk about your book that you're either writing or you're close to finishing. Well, I got the book that won't ever get finished. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to finish it. So um, it's it's called, unless it changes, it's it's – you know, right now the the book is called Deep Impact Coaching, and it's about ego, uh, ego, ego, mentorship, and athletics. And it's really about um, how our egos can get in the way. Uh, we use defense mechanisms, the victim mindset, and all those things, um, which you know, our egos are our friends, but they're not rational. They will defense mechanisms will pop up in our head. Well, we didn't win because we don't have enough talent. We didn't win because the referee this, you know, wow. you know, it's defense mechanism we're using instead of, okay, being accountable, reflecting, stepping outside your ego, even though your ego is trying to influence you to protect you from being vulnerable, um, stepping outside of that and saying, okay, what are my values and what actions can I take to reach my goals and values um, or to um, reach my goals through uh, my values instead of oh the referee didn't make that call or the other team just has way more talent or you know it's being accountable the other team might have more talent the referee might not make a call but those things are out of your control uh and if you're going to allow your ego to you know lead to denial or or projection or whatever it may be it's not going to help you achieve your goal so that's kind of what the book and hey, we're looking forward to that, Coach, by the way. It sounds like, yeah, I mean, those are some great concepts. And, and before you go, um, and I know you're busy out there and so forth, and um, I got to get to my duties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could skip it, but I can't. No, you got to get that paycheck. You know, <laughs> That's right. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. And what's the best way I'm, I'm going to have, matter of fact, um, I'm going to, the Zoomcast is going to be available to a lot of coaches on this so they can see it. Um, well, I'm going to have a lot of coaches want more information from you. What's the best way to contact you? Sure. Uh, I'll just give them my, um, my simple iCloud email. It's uh, D as in Dan, and then my last name is Hibson, D-H-I-B as in boy, S-O-N at M-E dot com. So dhibson at me dot com. That's great. Coach, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And enjoy your California day, man. I'm really jealous of that. Uh, we have the window in the back. I mean, that's, I have no windows. I, you know, so I have one window, but I have it closed. But, uh, but uh, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, I really got. I really love your concepts of your defense. I love what you're doing 
with uh, making kids better, connecting, uh, teaching us coaches how to connect better with uh, our players. So thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And, uh, you know, I look forward if the coaches ever have any questions or anything, you know, I'm all about uh, us helping each other. We can all learn from one another. And if they want to reach out, I'm more than happy to talk to them. And uh, I, I'm a student too, always will be, always will be a student of the game. The game can humble us. So uh, that's, that's one good part of it. But uh, if they want to reach out, I'm all about connection. Um, have at it. That's great. I'm looking forward to have you starting your podcast soon, coach. I'll, I'll... I mean, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, well, we'll talk more about that another time because you can give me some tips on how to do it. So I, I really <laughs> appreciate you having me on um, and I look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Thanks, Coach. Thanks. At Dr. Dish Basketball, we're creating basketball shooting machines that accelerate player performance. With features like on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one source for basketball training. Whether you're training in your driveway, running a practice, or developing a workout program, we have the most innovative training solutions to help your players practice like they play. And just for listening to this podcast, you qualify for an exclusive discount. Just mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. Again, that number is 952-873-2633. And remember, be better every day. Dr. Dish Basketball's Virtual Camp 2.0 is now live. Our camp features drills and workouts from pro players, coaches, and trainers like Byron Scott, Quincy Pondexter, and four-time WNBA champ Lindsey Whalen. And though we're known for our shooting machines, the camp also features ball handling, agility, and conditioning drills to help athletes of all ages round out their game. A shooting machine is not required for this camp, but if you own or have access to a Dr. Dish CT or Dr. Dish Home, you can follow along with our pre-built program and track your progress and your stats. Sign up today to gain access to the Virtual Camp 2.0 featured drills and workouts by visiting drdishbasketball.com slash virtualcamp2021. That's drdishbasketball.com slash virtual-camp-2021. Coaches, I'd like to welcome our new Championship Vision podcast sponsor, Huddle Assist. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just a box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happens. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Huddle will also be at the Legends at the Grove Clinic on September 12th at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Come stop by our table to chat and see what we have to offer.